Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking today with Alex Hutton and Wade Baker with Verizon Business about the new Anatomy of a Data Breach report coming out as a supplement to the Verizon Business report earlier this year. Alex, Wade, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot. Guys, just to uh, to get us started here, why don't you introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about your roles at, uh, at Verizon Business, and then I'm going to ask you as well to talk about this supplemental report you've done. Um, you know, what's the main takeaway from this report? I, I'll uh, I'll start on that. I'm Wade Baker, and um, on Verizon's Risk Intelligence Group, and uh, these reports are, are something we do when we're trying to understand the risk environment and relay that information to uh, those readers out there. And uh, my name's Alex, obviously, and I work with Wade here, uh, also in risk intelligence um, group team, and uh, we do these reports, and hopefully. Uh, folks will be able to make better decisions by, you know, us presenting data that isn't commonly available. And I guess that's kind of my goal for for all of these reports. Guys, one of the things that impressed me when you came out with the investigations report earlier this year was how quickly the entire industry adopted this, and they, and they really rallied around it and said that this was the benchmark. So I've got to ask you, given that is the context. What's the real headline of this supplemental report that you've now issued? Okay, so I think um, one of the uh, headlines, especially for for things to take away from it, is if you look at that list of the top 15 uh, attacks, and uh, by the time you're down at number 15, we're talking about sub- Five percent of our cases that that particular threat was involved in. So that overall message kind of translates to something of the effect of, you know, we tend to think that there are millions, thousands of things that we really have to worry about and agonize over in protecting our systems. But when you really look at it, there's a relatively few number of things that continue to hurt us. Uh, and to refine that a little bit more, if you look at the top five or six in that list of 15, uh, even those, those are probably the, the 80%, 90% of, of what's really damaging and, and, and exposing data. So I think that's a rather interesting message, you know, especially if we want to start uh, with protecting ourselves against the things that happen most often and then worry about all the rest uh, down the road or when we can handle it. And I guess I've got a couple things um, related to that same table. It's on uh, page four, table one the top 15 threat actions. I mean, you'll know when we give uh, percent of breaches there, how there are, there, it's more than 100%. And what I think readers or listeners want to take away from this is when we deal with networks and systems and we look at incidents, we're really dealing with complex systems, right? And if you get into complexity theory at all, one of the first tenets is it is not a root cause. There are always multiple causes. Uh, all these multiple points of failure that contribute to one aggregate catastrophic event. And so when when readers look at this, they're going to see, uh, especially as they read through some of the case studies and the narrative that we provide, you're going to see SQL injection was the you know, initial point of attack, and then the bad guy went in and installed two loggers or some spyware. They captured credentials. They did whatever to exploit CIRA. 
Uh, and I think that's important because when we go through and we do our enterprise risk assessments and we de design our controls, we think still in, in kind of uh, one or two dimensions. We've got an asset, and the asset, you know, has to have some level of, of control, and that asset has this singular risk notion. That, that, this information and, and this data supports uh, the theory that, no, we really have a complex system, and you're going to have multiple points of failure, and you really need to, to change the way you look at your system and your network uh, to, and adapt to that. Very good, guys. You, you both mentioned the, the top 15 most common attacks, and that's sort of a highlight of this, this supplemental report. What would you say of those top 15 or maybe the two or three that are most frequently happening to organizations? Uh, I'd like to ask, uh, I don't know if this is an appropriate time to get into which types of organizations, but you know, we published a report last year uh, that was the supplemental to the 2008 uh, data breach investigations report where we uh, showed how trends differed between uh, organizations in, in various industries. Uh, and so, you know, it's quite interesting that, you know, against retailers and against food and beverage type organizations, very different set of attacks. So against those kind of companies, you're really worried about attacks against the POS uh, point of sale servers and and um, uh, the the attacks are, are focused differently. A lot of uh, vendor and partner type problems in those areas. A lot of exploitation of default credentials and, and things of that nature. Whereas if you look at the financial side of the house and industries, the attacks uh, take a notch up in, in sophistication. You see a lot of uh, packet sniffers because they're trying to capture uh, bukus of data crossing the wire in, in some of those institutions. And then uh, SQL injection is, is awfully common, as it is in, in most industries. But um, I, I find that very interesting to look at, at how those attacks differ between various types of organizations. Well, Alex, let me ask you, what do you see, given what you've, you've, you've studied here, what are the trends that you're most watching now in terms of data breaches and these common attacks we've talked about? Well, at a very high level, I think one of the, the key takeaways from Supplemental is in the appendix uh, where we compare our data set to the data loss database uh, set of information. If you're not familiar, data loss database is a, a, a public um, and, and community-oriented project that kind of tries to capture uh, incidents and then discusses those incidents and, and captures details, whatever they can find in, in newspapers or on the web or wh whatever, and then puts those. And we did a comparison of our data set against data loss database um, because we, we often get comments, you know, how, how does your data set compare to others? And, and uh, one of the things that really struck me is on page 26, it's table five, and basically we have always taken heat because our breach sources are skewed towards the external, um, you know, and, and we have discussed, well, that's because, you know, we really de deal with breaches where there's significant impact, the numbers of records lost, and you have to call them in, uh, an incident response team. And so when we were comparing uh, the, the two sets, um, this is a fascinating trend. Uh, we modified the data loss database set by taking a look at places where there was data at risk, like a lost laptop or or you know a lost key fob with, with information on it. Um, took those out and focused solely on, on incidents 
uh, where, the, where there's known fraud and, and what have you. And we have statistically similar results to their data set. Um, and, and that table five shows that, where the, the vast majority of brute sources are from outside an organization. And so you talk about a, a trend or something that you can highlight and try and use to make decisions and, and implement security strategy. You know, that's at a very high level, that's a fundamental new premise to some people and, and something worth watching. You know, I'll, I'll add on a little bit to, to that. This is Wade. Um, uh, inside of that, there's very interesting developments over the past couple of years, and, and we've really seen the landscape, the threat landscape changing before our eyes where, um, you know, if you look at these external attacks, which is most of the major breaches that you've heard about in the last few years do in, uh, involve an outsider of some type. Um, that's, by the way, not to say that insiders don't do anything because they do, and especially when you look at the financial industry, insiders usually uh, are a higher percentage of breaches than, than other types of organizations. But nevertheless, uh, the larger breaches we've seen over the past few years do involve uh, outsiders, and particularly uh, the organized crime has, that has developed over the last few years is really evolving uh, uh, cybercrime. You know, they, they are pooling resources and banding together, and that really allows them to, to pull off more sophisticated, more persistent, uh, more dangerous attacks, and I, I think that's a real problem that we're, that we're dealing with. Now, Wade, earlier you mentioned about some of the differences in the threats depending on the industries. Now, specifically at Information Security Media Group, we serve financial services and government and, and, and other verticals. What are some of the, the takeaways for these industries in terms of what they need to be looking out for as we go into 2010? So I usually have uh, recommendations along these lines to clients because they're, 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 I get some form of that question all the time. Um, and, and I think industry has something to do with it. Um, but I think even more important with, than, than just your industry, understanding what types of data that you possess that an attacker might want and understanding the motivation of the modern attacker is just a fundamental thing that we all need to do. It's kind of a self-evaluation that all organizations should do. And, and what we're finding is that if one of your primary data types can be easily converted into cash. So payment cards or, uh, you know, debit cards, um, uh, things like that, then you are probably going to be targeted. And the more of those you have, so if you're a financial institution, you have, you aggregate those or you have, uh, uh process a lot of those, then you're going to be targeted and you're probably going to be targeted to the extent that you possess those things. Uh, and, uh, the next kind of ring down is, uh, you know, personal information and things like that that can also lead to fraud or be monetized. Uh, and especially for governance, uh, governments, you know, they're, they're, they have a lot of intellectual property or, or uh, uh, secrets of state. And those tend to be less targeted, say, on a just broad cybercrime scale because it's more difficult to turn those things into money, but when those events do happen and when those organizations are targeted, uh, there's an incredibly uh, high degree of uh, sophistication and persistence in those attacks. You know, we've seen people willing to go through a hiring process in order to 
be have a position in that organization and they'll they'll scope it out for months and then finally steal something and those attacks tend to be very extravagant uh, whereas if the criminal is just getting money you know, usually if they don't if they can't get that within a reasonable amount of effort they'll kind of move on so um, I'm, I'm hoping that makes sense but you can definitely see attacks change by industry but probably more importantly, by the types of data and, and things that those industries typically handle. Given what you've uncovered over the last year or so, what do organizations need to be doing to protect themselves from some of these most common attacks? I think one of the takeaways from the earlier data breach report is, is focus on the essential and get to the esoteric later. Uh, too many times, I mean, you can see this in the frequency table there um, early in the supplemental, too many times it's, it's basic stuff, default credentials, SQL injections, stuff that we've been seeing uh, for the past seven, eight, ten years that that attackers are using as their initial vector. You know, so focusing on, on the basics and then striving for excellence is something I think all organizations should make sure that they're doing. Uh, the second bit is really collecting, uh, this sounds self-serving, but it's not meant to be, collecting information to know that they're doing the right thing. I think one of the things when I give podcasts or, or, or do talks and, and that sort of thing where there's a lot of, of feedback from the audience, um, you know, I'm, I get a lot of, well, I feel like we have compliance-focused security, and there's nothing wrong with, with implementing a, a set of controls or, or, or following a checklist as long as you as you monitor that use within the context of the information that you're getting. In the threat landscape, I mean I don't have to you know, I'm not I'm not writing any new headlines when I say the threat landscape is dynamic. Uh, and it's it's specific to your industry like Nate said. So really the second thing I think people should be doing is looking for intelligence and information and processing that information and identifying all the sources they can to get relevant information be that internal systems, external reports like our data breach report, you know, intelligence feeds from, from various vendors. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just smart management. Yeah, and I'll uh, add a couple things on that. Uh, I've, I've been asked this question, and, and my, my sense on if, if you uh, ask me to name you know, top three, top two things that, that companies should really concentrate on, um, uh, among those top three would be um, check to make sure that the th you're doing the things that you think you're doing. So it, you know, not not anything new, but whatever you have stipulated in policy and whatever processes you've implemented, uh, check to make sure that you're doing them as well as you think you are because you're probably not, and that's most likely to be the vector that the attackers exploit to hurt you. Uh, secondly, uh, just the, the entire industry, no matter what industry you are, all organizations are having an awful time uh, detecting incidents once they occur. Uh, we give statistics in the report by you know, most incidents are detected, but not by the victim, but by a third party, and most incidents are detected six months or more after they occur. Uh, and that's just not a good sign. And there's huge amounts of improvement. And the third, I would reiterate what Alex says, um, we've really got our hands tied behind our backs, especially decision makers, because we're just not, there's not a lot of information out there, and we're having a really hard time 
with a real evidence-based approach to, to managing security. We, we really have to shoot from the hip a lot. We have to do things that are, we're told to do, even though we're not quite convinced that they're effective and, and really uh, useful, and it's just flat-out hard to, to manage if you can't measure. Guys, just a couple more questions for you. Wade, I'll toss this one your way first, and Alex, feel free to add to it. For information security professionals that are on the front lines fighting these types of attacks, what are these skill sets they really need to brush up on going into 2010? So, you know, that's going to vary based on on what your position is. You know, for the, the people sitting at the console and um, really implementing these things at a technical level and, and, and watching for that, um, the... Uh, Brushing up on the the skill sets that they that we've had in the industry for a while, you know, they're, it's it's pretty standard stuff. Uh, and I think for the most part that there's there's a lot of competence there. And so I'll I'll move up um, a layer to say management and decision makers. And I think those are where the the skill sets can use some polishing. You know, I think we can borrow. Uh, skills from other disciplines. I've uh, done some uh, blog posts recently and just had a lot of conversations around, um, you know, using decision-making approaches that are not typical to the information security world, but are very typical in, say, operations research and other areas of business where we where we're trying to uh, evaluate a decision and come to a, a decision based on various algorithms and you know, either qua- quantitative or qualitative approaches. Uh, I think there's some areas that we can borrow from the field of psychology. So uh, I'm, I'm very much in favor of, a, of expanding our what we the tools that we use in information security to borrow from other disciplines because I think we're We've been isolated and have a, just a straight engineering mindset for too long, and a lot of the problems that we're dealing with really go outside of the engineer um, mindset and skill set. Yeah, I guess, you know, just to build a, a little bit on it, I'd also suggest that large uh, security departments really think about de-siloing, um, increasing communication, understanding. Um, that we are dealing with a complex system. You are going to, what you do at your console really relates to what somebody else does at their console or within their spreadsheet in order to make both strategy and tactics happen uh, for defense. Uh, I, I believe that that's, that's significant. I'd like to see more information sharing uh, within organizations to know that vulnerabilities here mean that we need to be looking at, at, you know, doing a better job monitoring logs over there. Um, I feel like a lot of folks in our industry have this idea that risk analytics or, you know, folks at, at the IDS console, you know, they, they are, they're doing their job and they're not what I do because I've got a different skill set. And I just, I see too many people on teams that aren't acting like teammates. Uh, it sounds like la la, but it, it's true because you know there's there's a it, it it hinders our ability to help the CSO make great decisions, and that just can't that's not sustainable. Gentlemen, one last question, Alex. I'll start with you and Wade. You can get the last word here if you'd like. Give us a sense of what Verizon Business is looking at now 
and what can we expect to see from you in terms of reports in early 2010? Well, uh, in early 2010, we'll be releasing uh, another supplement, uh, not, not another supplement, but another data breach investigation report uh, that will have uh, new data added to it. Uh, there are a couple of interesting projects uh, that we're undertaking, and I don't know the release schedules yet, so I, I really can't comment on them. But uh, you'll see from us, I believe, much more of, of the same sort of data collection, data aggregation, and data sharing uh, that we've already started to establish as a, as a uh, business um, and as a vendor. Um, open, something that's referenceable, and hopefully, again, you know, something that's actionable. Yeah, and it's one of the things that we've really enjoyed over the, the, the last couple of years is we've, we've kicked off this agenda um, of being able to publish, you know, what, what I feel is, you know, real research. You know, we have a team within Verizon, and we've been given the ability and the support to collect data from any resource inside Verizon and study it and analyze it. And, you know, there's this um, embracing of our ability to, to publish it because it's good for the community, it's good for Verizon. Uh, and so we are looking at other things. You know, we're, we're right now digging through data uh, with our uh, PCI group. They do uh, audits and assessments of, uh, of um, you know, compliance there. And so there's very interesting uh, trends going on there. Uh, we've just published uh, a report from ICSA Labs that looked at the effectiveness of various uh, security um, devices and controls and software and how well they really work and what are the problems. And so we've put that out. And, and we have several other things. And the, the, the overall theme is just like Alex said, where we're you know, rather than just, um, <clears throat> say, putting out a bunch of opinions, we're actually trying to study data and wherever we can get our hands on data. Uh, and analyze that is is kind of what the the approach that we're taking, and so we've got um, several things along those lines coming out over the next year, and and I hope uh, people will find them as interesting as uh, the data breach investigations report series we've done over the past few years. Very good, Wade Alex. I appreciate your time and your insights today. Thank you. Thank you. We've been talking with Wade Baker and Alex Hutton with Verizon Business for Information Security Media Group. I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.